Good evening. My name is Jeff, and it really is an honor for me to be here, um, being able to speak about this beautiful Jesus on this very special night. Um, I don't have a lot of time, so I do want to get into Scripture. Um, if you can open up your Bibles to Philippians 2. We're going to be reading Philippians 2 um, from verse 5. And you might also want to follow us up in the screen. I think it's going to be there as well. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus, it's good, here, it's good to be here tonight. It's good to look at you, and we are just humbled by the cross. We are humbled by your sacrifice. We need you so much tonight. I know you want to speak. Be with us and let us know who you really are. Let us see you as you are, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So this that we just read is one of the most theologically rich passages in all of Scripture. And most scholars, most theologians believe that this is actually a poem. This is actually a um, hymn that was well known to the Christians in the primitive church. So Paul is using this poem in order to describe who Jesus really is. But he's also telling us, have this mind, have this attitude, have this way of life like you do in Jesus. So if we want to have this type of mind and attitude, we need to look at who Jesus is and what he did. So first of all, actually, as we go through these um, some, some points that I'm, gonna, that I'm going to um, go through, I want you to use your imagination and I want you to picture Jesus in different forms. And I'm going to guide you through it, but I do need you to help me out and use your imagination for a bit. Verse 6 says, who though was in the form of God, Morphe, which means he wasn't very nature God. He wasn't very essence God. Jesus is God. Now, John, in his gospel, he tells us in the beginning, and the word was with God, the word being Jesus, and he was, and, and he was God, and all things were made through him. So we know that Jesus was, even from the beginning, Jesus didn't, Become Jesus was not created when he became a baby um, and was born in Bethlehem. Jesus has been eternal forever. Even Isaiah was able to see Jesus. Six, 700 years before he was even a baby boy, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord and he was seated on his throne of glory and his robes filled the place. And there was angels and they were covering their face. When they were looking at, at the Lord because just his splendor and his majesty and his glory was so intense and it was so 
alive and it was so dense that they couldn't look at him in the eyes and they were just saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And this is Jesus seating on his, seated on his throne of glory, ruling over all the earth, ruling over every nation, over all creation. Now, Jesus didn't owe anything to anyone. He could have stayed put on his throne of glory, possessing all power, all authority. There was no one, there's no one remotely like him. There's no one before him. There's no one greater than him. So what does he do with such authority, with such status? We continue reading. He did not count equality with God, something to be grasped. He didn't take advantage of this. He didn't exploit this. And he could have. He could have stayed put where he was. He could have just reigned forever without coming. He could have done away with us because we were sinners. Or he could have just forgotten about us. But instead, it says that he empties himself. And he takes the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Kenosis is the Greek word that's used here, which means complete emptying. He emptied himself of all his glory. He emptied himself of all his majesty, all that glory that he had on the throne. So we find God, the creator of all, becoming one of his, like one of his creatures, one of his creations, becoming weak, defenseless baby, he was born into a peasant, to a peasant woman, into a shocking pregnancy scandal in a town that nobody gave two cents for. So this is the second image of Jesus I want you to imagine. Jesus, a man, like me, like you. So touch your hands, touch your face. That's how Jesus felt. This body, this flesh of, of bone and broken, it's prone to sickness. It gets tired. It's powerless. There's no physical beauty. He didn't come as a king. He didn't come as an emperor. He didn't come as a warrior. He, not even as a citizen of Rome. Not even as an American. He came as a servant. He came as a slave. Now, the lowliest, most deprived from any most basic right, most common, most weak. That's how Jesus came. And then it says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death. Jesus came to an honor-shame culture. We don't understand this very well because we don't live in one honor-shame culture. The main goal in life is to bring honor, to bring respect, to bring good reputation to your name and to your family. Your biggest fear, what keeps you up at night, is bringing shame, bringing dishonor, bringing humiliation to yourself and to your family. So Jesus, instead of climbing up to more honor and more honor, the courses honorum was just the way that, that Romans um, went up the status ladder. So they were citizens, then they were soldiers, then they were um, officials, governors, emperors. Jesus takes it down. He does the complete opposite. 
to more weakness, to more shame. Henry Nouwen puts it this way, the one who was in the beginning with God and who was God revealed himself as a small, helpless child, as a refugee in Egypt, an obedient adolescent, an inconspicuous adult, as a pertinent disciple of the baptizer, as a preacher from Galilee, followed by some simple fishermen, as a man who ate with sinners and talked with strangers, as an outcast, a criminal, a threat to his own people. He moved from power to powerlessness, from greatness to smallness, from success to failure, from strength to weakness, from glory to ignominy. The whole life of Jesus of Nazareth was a life in which all upward mobility was resisted to the point of death. And not an honorable death. He didn't die riding into battle. He was not leading an uprise or a revolution against a tyrant empire like most Jewish wanted the Messiah to be. No. Even death on a cross. Now, the crucifixion was an instrument of extreme punishment used for political subjugation of the Roman uh, provinces. It was reserved only for the slaves, only for the ones who had no rights, for the rebels, for the vilest of criminals. It was against the law to crucify a Roman citizen. The word cross in Greek is crux. This word was not to be used. It was not to be thought of by any Roman citizen. It was a curse word. It was profane to even say this word. So far removed from the minds of the elite. What made this cross such a shameful, such a dreaded way of punishment is that it, and we kind of know this, but it combined just excruciating pain and torture, but also total humiliation. So victims were paraded through the streets, and then they were cursed, and they were spat on, and, um, and then they were stripped down, they were nailed to a cross, and they were lifted to hang, and they would suffer for days sometimes before they actually died. And after they did, they were just let left there to rot. The bodily excretions were just in public view. It was the most shameful, most degrading way for anyone to die. So that's the third image of Jesus. Jesus on a cross. The God of the universe on a cross. Who does this? What kind of God is this that takes has all the glory, all the power, all the authority, and and he gives it up, he empties himself, and he's nailed to a cross. He's our God. He's Jesus. See, in this passage and through the entire life of Jesus, we learn who God really is. We don't get an entire picture of God Anywhere else, not even in Torah, not even in the Old Testament, but we do in Jesus. It's really easy for us to say, yes, Jesus is God. Sometimes it's really hard to understand that God is Jesus. 
God is Jesus. Every, this is how God is. He is the God who serves. He is the God who comes. He is the God who empties himself. He is the God who dies on a cross for me, for you. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above all name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So he completely redefines what honor is. Instead of climbing up this ladder of success to honor, he says, this is the way, the way of the cross, the way of Jesus. Follow me. Serve. Give yourself. And sometimes this way of Jesus, it hurts and it costs us. And it's completely against our natural inclination to just want to gain and to be more. And it hurts to give and it's uncomfortable to serve. And it's just insane to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us, and to forgive even the ones who nail us to a cross. But this is what humanity is all about. This is what we are intended to do, to follow the way of Jesus, to give ourselves away, because he redefines honor, and because we have glory in God. Because Jesus did this, he is now exalted above every name and when it hurts when it's hard that's when we look at the cross and we see jesus and we see that god the god of the universe gave himself and it cost him plenty it cost him everything it cost him his life that's the god that we love that's the god that we serve that's the jesus that we follow jesus so humbled by who you are. Thank you, God, for the cross. Thank you for who you are. We love you, and we want to follow you. In your name we pray. Amen.